Most of you are familiar with the musical Les Miserables, based on the novel by Victor Hugo. One of the most poignant songs from that musical is the song Empty Chairs at Empty Tables. Those, after those who have fought, sought independence have been killed in the streets, young Marius, thinking back to when he would sit in the cafe with his friends and talk about revolution, sings now of empty chairs at empty tables. Just a couple of, of the verses, there's a grief that can't be spoken, there's a pain goes on and on. Empty chairs at empty tables, now my friends are dead and gone. Oh, my friends, my friends, forgive me that I live and you are gone. There's a grief that can't be spoken. There's a pain goes on and on. Oh, my friends, my friends, don't ask me what your sacrifice was for. Empty chairs at empty tables where my friends will sing no more. I remember a Vietnam vet sharing with me that this song was particularly poignant for him, especially that line about forgiveness as it relates to the reality that he lives while so many of his fellow soldiers died. And veterans of every war reflect about the painful memories which go on and on, many of which are haunting. This is Memorial Day weekend, Memorial Day being that day on which we remember those who died in service to their country. And indeed, it is ironic that in, it is in war that we find some of the most moving and powerful descriptions of laying down one's life for one's friends. Ironic in that as Christians, we are called to be peacemakers. Yet it is, it is in the trenches of life, whether that be a field in Gettysburg, a bunker in France, a rice paddy in Vietnam, a desert in Iraq, a crowded street in Afghanistan, or a cross in Palestine, that laying down one's life becomes raw, real and painful. Raw. Memorial Day started way back in the late 1800s as a way of commemorating the dead of both the northern and southern branches of these United States following the Civil War. And one of the most famous speeches from Memorial Day was delivered by Oliver Wendell Holmes, Jr., and I like to share it almost each year on this occasion. Holmes served as a Supreme Court Justice for over 30 years, and when asked about his success, Holmes, Holmes replied with one of my favorite all-time quotes. He said, young man, the secret of my success is that at an early age, I discovered that I was not God. Well, anyway, on Memorial Day 1884, that's 1884, Holmes shared words that tr transcend that immediate war to which he was addressing the Civil War to include all wars. And I'm going to share it with you. The generation that carried on the war has been set apart by its experience. Through our great good fortune, in our youth our hearts were touched with fire. It was given to us to learn at the outset that life is a profound and passionate thing. Such hearts, ah me, how many, were stilled 20 years ago. And to us who remain behind is left this day of memories. Every year in the full tide of spring, at the height of the symphony of flowers and love and life, there comes a pause. 
And through the silence we hear the lonely pipe of death. Year after year, lovers wandering under the apple trees and through the clover and deep grass are surprised with sudden tears as they see black-veiled figures stealing through the morning to a soldier's grave. Year after year, the comrades of the dead follow with public honor, procession, and commemorative flags and funeral march. Honor and grief from us who stand almost alone and have seen the best and noblest of our generation pass away. But grief is not the end of all. I seem to hear the funeral march become an exultant song. I see beyond the forest the moving banners of a hidden column. Our dead brothers still live for us and bid us think of life, not death, of life to which in their youth they lent the passion and joy of the spring. As I listen, the great chorus of life and joy begins again, and amid the awful orchestra of seen and unseen powers and destinies of good and evil, our trumpets sound once more a note of daring hope and will. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. The life we celebrate as Christians is a life which ended in death. And like Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. describes, those who died as bidding those of us here to live, so the life, death, and resurrection of Christ in some mysterious and life-giving way bids each of us, you and me, to live as friends to each other loving one another, abiding in the love of Christ. And that leads us into our scripture for the morning. It's from the 15th chapter of John, familiar verses to many of us, I am sure. I invite you to listen for the word of God. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. Friends, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Let us pray. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. I want us to focus for just a few minutes on verse 12, especially that little word, as. I've often said that what Jesus doesn't say is often as telling is often as telling as what he does say. For example, Jesus doesn't say 
This is my commandment, that you love one another as you love your dog or your cat, if you're a cat person. Jesus doesn't say, this is my commandment, that you love one another as you love pizza. Jesus doesn't say, this is my commandment, that you love one another as you love to go on a vacation. No, what does Jesus say? This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Not as we want others to love us, not as we love others. No, we are to love one another as Christ has loved us. So if we are to fulfill this command, this imperative to love others, then we must first consider how Christ loves us. And for the brief time we have left this morning, I invite you to reflect upon two ways. First, Christ loves us with a deep and penetrating honesty, an honesty which pierces to the core, an honesty which leads to the joy of an abundant life. You remember the question the rich young ruler asked Jesus in the Gospel according to Mark? He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you know the commandments. Don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't lie, don't cheat, don't, excuse me, honor your father and mother, not don't honor your father and mother, honor your father and mother, a positive one. I've done all these things since my youth, the young man replied, and Jesus answers, you lack one thing, sell all you have and give it to the poor. More specifically, Mark writes, Jesus, looking at him, loved him, and said, you lack one thing, sell all you have and give it to the poor. Jesus says this, you see, out of love, not out of spite or anger or envy or ridicule, but out of love. Jesus wants this man to experience life in all its fullness, and he knows that what is preventing this young man from having a deep and abiding relationship, not only with God, but with his fellow human beings, is his wealth. His wealth is serving as a barrier to the joy of an abundant life. Now, as an aside, in saying this, it's important to remember that Jesus here isn't denouncing wealth. Depending on the circumstance, Jesus could just as easily have said, you lack one thing, let go of your anger toward your parents. Or you lack one thing, quit griping about the, how the world has dealt you a raw deal. Or quit griping, you lack one thing, quit trying to please everyone you meet. What Jesus is denouncing here is anything that prevents us from focusing on those things which bring ultimate meaning, deep and abiding joy. You see, Jesus was in touch with what, with what brings ultimate fulfillment in life and wants each of us to experience it. That's why his love for us is as disarming as it is illuminating. As Christ loves us with an honesty which pierces us to the core, we are, so we are to love each other in a similar manner. We are to challenge each other out of love to focus on what is abiding and true and beautiful and lasting in life. That is loving one another as Christ loves us. And secondly, Jesus loves us with a sacrificial love. 
It's no accident that the sentence, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life, sacrifice, for a friend. Immediately follows Jesus' injunction to, to love one another as he loves us, as he, he indeed lays down his life. Indeed, the love of which we're speaking is ultimately and in its simplest purity revealed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So let us remind ourselves of the quality of that life, the life that Jesus led on earth, a life that was lived not for itself but for others, a life that was characterized by love for God and fellow human beings, a life characterized by a love that was self-giving, sacrificial, action-oriented. Love, as the New Testament expresses, as Christ lives, is an active love, a love that gives, a love that forgives, a love that sacrifices, a love that reaches out to others. Can we love one another? with that kind of love? As Christ sacrificed his life for us, can we sacrifice ourselves for one another? When is the last time you really sacrificed something for someone? Have you ever been called upon to sacrifice your pride, your ego? Have you ever been called upon to turn the other cheek? It's a tall order, isn't it? I mean, it's hard enough to love people you like, much less people you don't like. But remember, the agape type of love we're talking about here is a matter of the will, not a matter of the heart. As Christ loved us with a love that led to death on the cross as a sacrifice, so we are to love one another by giving ourselves in sacrificial service. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. We become Jesus' friend as we love one another as Christ has loved us, with a deep and abiding honesty which leads to life in all its fullness, and with a love which is action-oriented, self-giving, sacrificial, as we do so, we bear the fruit of love, which, as Jesus himself says, is pleasing to God. Love one another as Christ has loved us. Let us pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for giving yourself in service to others. In your command to love each other, you give us how we are to do so, by loving each other as you have loved us. May we heed this command. May we love with honesty. May we love in sacrifice now and always. Amen.